Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Psalm 103 and verse number one. And you know, we'll have an opportunity this afternoon at our Thanksgiving dinner. If that's the first time you're hearing about it, we invite you all to be a part of our Thanksgiving dinner this afternoon at, uh, at 4 p.m., not at 6 p.m. There is no service at 6 p.m. It will all be one, uh, one function at 4 p.m. this afternoon. We invite everyone to be there, and I encourage you to take part in that special, uh, special time together. But uh, it says in the Bible to let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It said in that song, let the amen sound from his people again. Let the so be it sound from his people again. Uh, and it is essentially, we know God is good. Let's affirm it with our testimonies, okay? Let's, let's say so be it with our testimonies of gratitude and our testimonies giving tribute back to him. So this afternoon, I would encourage you, consider uh, coming with a testimony. It could be very brief. It could be, uh, it could be well, it could be brief. Uh, no, we want to make time for everyone to be able to share it. But let's come back this afternoon, bring in our amen with us. Let's come back with our testimony of God's goodness. Try to boil it down to something. What, what has God done for you in this year? And so we want to do that together. I want you to turn uh, to Psalm 103 and verse number one. And notice this verse here. And we're going to read it together in a moment. But listen as I read. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth our, uh, thy, all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. I want you to read verse number one with me together. Let's ready and begin. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Everything that is within us ought to be blessing the Lord, giving thanks back to him, giving praise back to him, acknowledging his worth, acknowledging his goodness. And that shouldn't just be on a Thanksgiving Sunday. That should be every day of our lives. Unfortunately, sometimes we struggle with that. I struggle with that. There's days I don't want to give thanks. How many are with me? The rest of you are saints. You know what? I just admire you. I'd like to, you know, there are some days that, that it comes a little bit harder, doesn't it? Isn't that our reality? But God wants us to be a thankful people. And we're going to take time to study that this morning. You may be seated as I pray. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for the gathering of the saints in this place. We uh, do not take that for granted. We are grateful on this Thanksgiving Day to be able to be together. And, uh, Lord, we're thankful for what you've done for us. Thank you for being our God. Uh, Lord, so often we get focused on verse number 2 of Psalm 103. And we get focused on all your benefits and uh, Lord, when the benefits don't seem as, uh, as forthcoming, we get distraught and we lose our, our, our heart of thankfulness to you. But Lord, you told us that we're to bless you for you. And all that is within us, we're to bless your holy name, who you are. And Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for being, a, uh, for being oftentimes in that place where we are not just thankful for 
who you are, as holy, as righteous, as omnipotent, as omnipresent, as full of integrity, without iniquity, as the one who is only just, as the judge of all the earth, as the prince of peace. Lord, we forget who you are and we lose our gratitude. Lord, I pray that you'd restore that to us today. Help us to be reminded of who you are today so that we might praise you and bless your holy name. And I do just ask right now, Lord, that you would hush our, our hearts before you, that you would calm us, that you would help us to be able to receive your word. And then this afternoon, Lord, I pray that you would be honored with the praise and the, the repeating of amen from your people, that we would, as your redeemed, say so, that we would declare your wonderful works to us as the children of men. And we'll give you thanks for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, the, the matter of thanksgiving and giving of thanks has really uh, seemingly uh, become a, a lost art. Have you ever maybe held the door o- open for somebody uh, and, and they just breeze right on through without a word of thanks? And you're like, well, I didn't, I didn't open the door to get thanks, but boy, it sure would have been nice if they would have at least acknowledged that I was trying to be kind to them. And, and you know, that, 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 that spirit of thanksgiving seems to be waning in our society. Would you agree with me? And, uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it even wanes in our hearts. And that's why just uh, just transparently, there are times that it wanes in my heart, and I know that I'm not in the right place with it. I know that I'm not in the right place with God, and it wanes in my heart, and I have to get right with Him, and I have to get back on track and remember that I'm thanking Him for who He is. And even if the blessings don't seem to be right there, uh, he's still God, and he's still uh, able to be thanked. And I think, about, uh, I think about a ministerial student in Evanston, Illinois. He was a part of a, life, uh, a life-saving squad. He was a, a person that was a, an emergency response, uh, on an remer- emergency response team, if you will. And uh, back in the 1800s, there was a ship called uh, uh, the, the Lady Ellen, uh, and it, it had uh, wrecked on the shores of Lake Michigan near Evanston. And Edward Spencer went out to be a part of the rescue squad, the emergency response team. And he swam out to that ship, to that area, uh, 17 times and rescued 17 individuals from, uh, from the, the very cold waters there in Lake Michigan. It was noted at his, at his funeral uh, his funeral that was brought on a little bit quicker uh, than it would have normally, that it was because of his actions that day uh, in, his, in his rescue efforts that he, uh, he really faced a physical, uh, physical damage, some harm that came to him that brought him to an early death, and he lived the rest of his life with the, uh, just kind of the marks of what he had done on that day. But it's also noted at his funeral that of the 17 people that he rescued, not one came and said thank you to him. Not one. Now you think about that, you think about the Lord Jesus, he healed the ten lepers, and only one came. And yet, so many times we're quick to see it in other people's lives, and I might be quick to see it in another person's life who maybe didn't uh, thank me, or uh, maybe they didn't thank you, but all too often you and I find ourselves in a situation where we're not, we're not exhibiting a heart of gratitude like we ought to that would please God. And mind you, our comparison is not one another, it is to Jesus Christ himself who is ultimately always thankful. I asked a question this week on social media, and many of you got on and you, uh, you were intrigued by the question, who was the most thankful person in the Bible? Who is the most thankful person in the Bible? And someone said, well, that's a, a tricky question. I think people expected that I was going to have an answer. I don't have an answer. I really don't. I was just curious what you all thought. 
and I, it, was very, it was very interesting to see all the different responses. One person said the, the thief on the cross, and I would think, you know, uh, uh, skipping hell by just a few moments, he would have been a pretty thankful individual, especially when he stepped into paradise, wouldn't you think? Think about the, uh, the woman caught in adultery. She would have been a pretty thankful person, you know, be, uh, having her life saved by the Lord Jesus Christ uh, from the religious zealots on there, the Pharisees, and so on. You think about Job, who got all of his, all of his possessions back, his family back, and though he had lost so much, he, uh, God gave him so much back. So many temporal blessings. You think about Abraham. You think about so many others in the Bible that, that exhibited thankfulness. But this morning, because we're kind of in the series going through the book of Acts, I wanted to take uh, and focus on this man, Paul, the Apostle Paul, and just take a snapshot of his life because he was a very, very thankful person. So we're going to suspend Acts, except we're going to look at this character named Paul and really focus in on how Paul was a thankful individual. And what does he show us throughout the Bible as, as he writes Scripture, as I say, I say and I, I say this purposely, as he pens Scripture under the inspiration of, script, uh, under the, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he exhibited thanks in, in a way that I see few others in Scripture. Now, I'm not going to debate. Uh, there, there's so many that were thankful in Scripture. David wrote the Psalms. Oh, you talk, about, you talk about a heart of thanksgiving. But Paul was a very thankful individual. What can we learn from him today? So I hope you'll grab a, a pen and that you'll write down some things. Let's learn some things from the Apostle Paul today. And I believe this will be a help to us because we want to be thankful. Are you with me this morning? How many of you really like to, to grow in your thankfulness uh, right now? All right? The rest of you, you're like, well, I'm just going to be a curmudgeon. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to sit here. Okay, th that's fine. You, you, you sit there while the rest of us learn and grow along. Okay, that's just fine. No, uh, we all want to, I know it's in your hearts. You wouldn't be here if you didn't have a desire to grow. I mean, some people, you know, they'll come to church just for a social function, but the, by and large, every one of us that have come here and, and are taking time this morning on this, the Lord's Day, when he's asked us to assemble in his name with his people, we have a desire to grow, and, and that's great. So let's, let's grow together in this, and let's learn from the Apostle Paul. I want you to notice, first of all, in the Apostle Paul's life, we're, gonna, we're not going to a specific passage of Scripture. We're going to look, look over his whole life and take some verses from the different epistles that he wrote. Paul was a man who was overflowing with thanksgiving. Paul was a man who was overflowing with thanksgiving. I want you to notice that in First uh, uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 18. First Thessalonians 5 and verse number 18. He says this, God telling us through him, in everything, give thanks. Let's say that together. In everything, give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. Paul wrote that down, not just uh, as writing it for someone else to read, but Paul wrote that down as one who modeled this, as one who was counted faithful by God, who modeled this in his daily living. In everything, give thanks. Did you notice it does not say for everything, give thanks, but in everything, give thanks. In the midst of every circumstance, in the midst of every situation in our lives, God is telling you and I that we are to give thanks. Did Paul model that? Yes, he did. Over and over, he modeled that. In fact, as we would survey the 14 different books that God used him to write, including the book of Hebrews, if we survey those 14 books, we are going to discover that Paul over and over brought up his thankfulness to God and his thankfulness to man. Thanks, the word thanks is mentioned 25 times throughout those epistles. The word thank, uh, singular, is mentioned 11 times. The word thanksgiving 
is mentioned seven times. The word thanksgivings is mentioned one time. The word thankful is mentioned twice. Thanked is mentioned twice. Thankfulness is mentioned is mentioned once. And so uh, coming up to this grand number of 49 times throughout those 14 different epistles, Paul was, was touching on this matter of gratitude, this matter of thanksgiving, both to God and to man, and, and giving thanks. And sometimes it was in a negative situation where, you know, where when the Corinthians were squabbling about, well, I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Paul, and I'm of Jesus Christ. He says, you know what? I thank God that I didn't baptize any of you. Because you guys would have been squabbling over it. And so he, sometimes it was in a negative connotation, but over and over he was giving thanks to God and thanks to man. I find that Paul would have written these epistles over the period of about 30 years, um, maybe more. But the fact is, it is easy to be thankful on a day. But it is a, quite another thing to have a trend of thankfulness throughout our lives. And Paul exhibited in his life a life that was overflowing with thankfulness over and over and over again over a period of many years, and God used him to write down Scripture. No, he was not perfect. He was not perfect at all. He was fallible just like us. He was not a super saint. But the fact is God used him to write down and challenge us in our thanksgiving. And may we listen to the testimony of the Apostle Paul, who was a man who was overflowing with thanksgiving it was full of thanksgiving but you know what paul had uh, saw something and we mentioned this last week when paul came into the city of corinth paul saw something there that really jarred him in fact he wrote the book of hebrews from or the book of of romans from uh, the, the city of corinth as he surveyed all that was going on in the city of corinth and paul observed something very very important that we all need to recognize today and is really important for us as we view our culture today and and as we consider how we cannot get swayed by culture now think about this paul observed that unthankfulness would always lead to ungodliness paul observed this now why don't you turn to romans chapter 1 in verse number 20 romans chapter 1 in verse number 20 this morning and I'd encourage you to really consider this even beyond the message today. We touched on it last week, but we need to touch on it in this context today. Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 20. We find the, the Bible says this, Paul speaking, for the invisible things of him, Romans chapter number 1, in verse number 20, for the invisible things of him from creation the creation of the world, are clearly seen. The invisible things of who? Of God. So every man is able to see truths about invisible God, who is a spirit. Every man is able to see this by looking at creation. It's very hard to view the mountains with the, covered with the autumn leaves and not realize there's a God who had to have done this. I mean, you, the, the, the amazing sunsets at fall time, there's a God that had to have done this. And so the Bible tells us, Paul speaking, for the invisible things of him, who he is, his love for beauty, his love for order, his righteousness from creation of the world are clearly seen. They're undeniable, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, who is as, a, as, as the, the three in one, as the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, so that they are without excuse. Every man on earth today 
has the general revelation of creation that brings him to a point where he is without excuse before a holy God. As sinful man, he is without excuse before a holy God. And lest you think here this morning, maybe as Brother Ron prayed a moment ago, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, friends, right now, without anything else that is said in the rest of this message, without any other reading of the Scriptures, you are without excuse before a holy God. He will call you into account for your sinfulness before him. Not your sinfulness as compared to another person. Your sinfulness in, um, be, uh, compared to him who is completely righteous and without sin, just and right as he. And he is going to call you into account. And it would be wise for you today to run to him and to receive the forgiveness that he offers in Jesus Christ. And so he says they're without excuse. Go on. Verse 21. Are you there with me? Because. Why are they without excuse? Because. When they, because that, when they knew God, when they were aware that he existed by his creation, they glorified him not as God. They turned their eyes from it. They did not exalt that. They did not count that of any worth or of any value. They went on and said, no, it probably just happened through a, maybe a big bang, or you know, we just kind of evolved, or we came from monkeys. They, they glorified him not as God. We have a whole culture that is glorifying him not as God. In fact, some Christians jump on board and they'll say, well, you know, maybe God was a part of it, but he really didn't, he really didn't do it all. He kind of set it in motion and then it went on its way. They glorified him not as God. They did not exalt him as God. Now notice with me in verse number 21, what is the next phrase? Read it out loud with me. Neither were they thankful. Say it again. Neither were thankful. Okay, what happens here? Paul equates, Paul equates the rest of this chapter and all the degradation of sin, this downward spiral sin that we talked about last week, he equates it back to their refusal to glorify God and their refusal to thank him for who he was. Now friends, what Paul observed there in Corinth was that unthankfulness always leads to ungodliness always leads to ungodliness. You can go down through this chapter, and we find that even as you come to the end of this chapter, we're going to find that people are, are so willing to progress on in the rejection of God and their sinfulness that they're willing even to die for it and get to the point where, it's, uh, where they, even, they, they, they will go into suicide just to push away, to push away from God. It's a, it's a downward spiral that ends in death. It's a downward spiral. They just continue to reject and reject and reject all the way to the end of, uh, end of their life and to even willingly giving up, their, uh, giving up their life. And so it's a very serious matter, this matter of unthankfulness. Paul observed that there, and I'd encourage you to go back into Romans chapter 1, 20 through 32, and read this downward spiral of, of sin as man rejects. Albert Barnes put it very interestingly here. He says the, the apostle here clearly regards this unwillingness to render God render gratitude to God for his mercies as one of the causes for their subsequent corruption and idolatry. It was all over that city. Remember, they had temples, the temple of Venus, and they had, they had a sexual perversion there on, on an epic level, thousands of, of temple prostitutes there. There was such an idolatry there, uh, similar to our, our day, there was such an idolatry there. And so all that was, was 
a, an outflow of their refusal to glorify God, to acknowledge who he was, to ad- admit who he was, and to be thankful to him for their existence, for who he was as God. And so the reasons of this are the following. The effect of ingratitude is to render the heart hard and, and insensible, to lose a, the, the ability to sense and to, to receive to receive good things, to, to look at, and wow, God has been good to me. Don't we have that in our culture? Don't we have in our culture where there's, there's a sense where they're not thankful for anything? Don't we find ourselves at that moment sometimes where we're not thankful? We don't, we don't see the, the blessings of who God is to us. We don't, we don't just revel in the fact that Romans chapter 8 tells us I can come to him and call him Abba or Daddy. I can come to him as my father. And we lose the sense of how wonderful it is. You're not a child of the devil anymore. You're a child of the most high God. Right? And we lose the wonder of that. Unthankfulness to God will cause our hearts to be hard and insensible. We don't, we don't sense it anymore. We aren't sensitive to the real goodness of God. It's an amazing thing. He goes on to say, men seek to forget the being to whom they are unwilling to exercise gratitude. And that's exactly what happened in Corinth. They, sent, they, they desire to forget. I don't want to hear about God. Why is the name of Jesus so offensive in our society? We don't want to hear about God because if we, if we are reminded of him, then we'll have to be thankful back to him. And so uh, we're trying to reject gratitude. We don't want to be grateful to him. Our hearts are hard. We're insensible. Therefore, we want to stuff our ears to who he is. Well, it goes a little bit further. To do this, they fix their affections on other things. Hence, the heathens express their gratitude not to God, but to the sun, to the moon, to Mother Nature, right? To happenstance, karma, people talk about. Uh, they, they give it to a bunch of other things in nature rather than to the God and for the mediums through which he Use the bless them. Uh, the oh, we thank Mother Nature. Hold up. Who sent the rain? Who sent the sunshine? Who changed the color of the leaves? And it's amazing how a society that is in rejection to God will begin to praise the mediums through which God has blessed us, the avenues which God has blessed us, but refuse to acknowledge and um, thank and have a heart of gratitude toward the God who gave the things. So we think, well, I'm so strong, I'm able to work. Hold up, who gave you your strength? And so unthankfulness always leads to ungodliness, and Paul observed that in Corinth, and God wants us to remember that today. 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 2, verse number 1 says, In the last days perilous time shall come, for men shall be, verse number 2, lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful unthankful. The downward progression of society is a lack of gratitude. And friends, we cannot follow in that philosophy. As much as it is pushed upon us, we cannot follow in that philosophy. The waiter fills up your water. Thank you. They're late in bringing the check because they're running around because no one's working. Thank you for working today. 
thank you for working. They get your hotel all mixed up. Thank you for working tonight. You with me, guys? Wasn't that a fun night? It was so fun. Thank you. You know what? We can't go along with culture. We're to be distinctly different. They're going to continue on this path because the Bible says in the last days they're going to become more and more unthankful. So rather than us rebelling, you know, complaining about this, perhaps we should just lead the way and being overly expressive in our thankfulness. Why? Because unthankfulness will always lead to ungodliness. What happened in Esau's life? He wasn't thankful for his birthright. He wasn't thankful for the blessing of God upon his life who established him as the firstborn twin and gave him certain privileges and certain authorities or, or leadership in his, in his family's home. He despised that, was not grateful to God. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews he became a profane, profane fornicator. What, what a downward progression, and it all started with, I don't, I don't thank God for anything. God hasn't been good to me. And so it went down that pathway when the check engine light comes on on your car, guys and ladies all understand this. Guys are like, oh no, what's this going to cost me? The ladies are like, am I going to get home? Right, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Uh, that check engine light signals there's a problem. There's a problem somewhere. Now sometimes it doesn't, you know, it might not be a big problem. It might be, you know what? Uh, sometimes that check engine light comes on for a gas cap. Are you with me on that? And just, you know, why don't you, why don't you put a, a, a gas cap light or something like that? But no, that thing comes on and it terrifies you and it lets you know there's a problem, right? And so we ought to understand the unthankfulness in our heart. Unthankfulness being exhibited in my home towards my children, towards my spouse is a signal that something is wrong spiritually. Something is not right. Friends, can I just give us a little bit, and I have to practice this too. You know, it's not helpful inside of our homes when we get past the niceties of just being nice to one another. Thank you for cooking dinner. Thank you for sweeping the floor. Thank you for washing the dishes. Thank you for cleaning up your room. Thank you for, you know, and whatever the case may be, to to one another, but also children to children. Thank you for doing that. Children to parents, parents to children. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you ought to be something that is repeated often within our homes. Why? If it's not, if there's a, if there's a loss of thanksgiving, there is, a, there is a downward spiral starting to happen in our lives. We are becoming more and more distant from God. God, when we're close to God, will always have a heart of thanksgiving. Paul observed that inside of, uh, inside of Corinth, that there was a lack of thankfulness in that, in that society because they were, they were uh, ungodly, and they were growing in that ungodliness. And so ungratefulness in my life is always going to signal there's a, there's a spiritual issue I need to pay attention to. Maybe there's a spiritual issue that you need to ask God, search me, O God, and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. Give God the opportunity to highlight something that is hindering your thankfulness. And so it was uh, Bob Jones Sr. that said, when gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, that, that man is well nigh hopeless. Hopeless. Now, let's not allow thanksgiving and gratitude to die in our hearts. Someone needs to hear thank you from you today. 
and then your heart needs to be in it. And by the way, sometimes your heart might not be in it, but if you'll just start saying it, you'll, you'll probably get your heart into it. So you might need to ask yourself, why am I ungrateful? Am I mad at God? Maybe you are. Maybe you're upset with God. Maybe there's something that happened in your childhood that you, you, you have not quite grappled with and you feel like God has wronged you. Friends, if that's the case, I encourage you, I encourage you, I encourage you, get counseling, get help, process through that so you can renew that heart of gratefulness to God. God is not the, the author of evil. God is not the one who uh, has, has uh, caused a, a, a problem in your life. And, and we need to process through some of those things. Why am I ungrateful? Why am I ungrateful to my family? Is there something that I've allowed in between us that needs to get taken care of? If I am ungrateful to God, uh, do I not understand that that is going to bring more and more distance between me and him? So I want to get that taken care of. I want to ask you this. If you do not grow in your heart of, of thankfulness, if you know that there's an unthankful spirit in you, where are you going to be a year from now? Because if God's word is true, and it is, amen? All right? If God's word is true that unthankfulness leads to ungodliness, where will you be in a year from now? Have you lost the thanksgiving for your church family? You come in here just ready to criticize? Well, they didn't do this, and they, you know, they didn't look at me right, they didn't shake my hand, I wasn't befriended, and get all mopey. You know what? In a year from now, you might, you might not gather with assembly. Unthankfulness will always lead to ungodliness. It will lead us further and further away from God in every area of our life. You know, we can just simply be unthankful for our, our present situation in America. And we will find ourselves getting further and further away from God, not closer to him. So what, am I supposed to be thankful for what's going on in America? God says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Sometimes we wrestle with that. And we're not thanking God for sin, but in the midst of all this, we're giving thanks to God for who he is. God never fails. And so we can never go wrong being thankful. And so Paul teaches us, through his observation, that he saw that unthankfulness led to ungodliness. He had a life overflowing with thankfulness, but I want you to notice also in 1 Timothy 1 and verse number 12, Paul expect thank, expe, uh, expressed thankfulness both vertically and horizontally. He expressed it towards God, and he expressed it towards man. So let's take a, 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 just a road trip through some of the epistles. I want you to notice that he thanked God often. In fact, nine times in the epistles, the words, I thank God, or I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, or I thank and referring to God happened nine different times in the epistles where he's directly thanking God. In 1 Timothy 1 and verse number 12, Paul says, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted, he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And so Paul was grateful for how God had worked in his, in his life. He found him on the road to Damascus, a dead set on, on persecuting the church. He he uh, saves him there as Paul responded to him in faith. And then God begins to work in his life and puts him into the ministry, specifically calls him to be a, a preacher of the gospel to the Gentiles. And so Paul says, I thank Jesus for this. 
I thank God that he's given me a purpose. I thank God that he's rescued me from my, my self-righteousness. I thank God that he's rescued me out of all this and he's given me a purpose in life to declare the gospel to the heathen. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. His thankfulness was expressed upward, but it was also expressed towards um, his fellow man and it was often wrapped up in his prayers. His prayers often focused on thanking thanking God for his fellow believers. In Romans 1 and verse number 8, notice this. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ, and notice, for you all. For you all. He's writing a letter to them, and he opens it up with this simple introduction. I thank God for you all. I'm thankful for you, but I'm most of all thankful to God for you. I'm thankful, and what was it that, that Paul just was so thankful about? He says, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, that's a pretty amazing statement. Can you imagine getting a letter and, and someone saying, hey, I thank God for you because your testimony for Jesus Christ is just known throughout the whole world. That's pretty amazing. So the, the believers there at the church in Rome had such a testimony, had such a witness, had such a vibrant relationship with Christ that it had sounded out, it had echoed out into the whole world. People that traveled there, when they came back to Jerusalem or came back to Athens or came back to any other city, they're like, boy, that church over there in, in Rome, they're amazing. They really, when they sing, they sing from their hearts. When they give testimonies, they get all into it. When they shout to the Lord, they, they shout from their hearts. And they're just really, they're really genuine in their relationship with the Lord. And so he says, you know what, I thank God. I thank God for you because your faith your walk with God is a testimony to every every believer in the world what a wonderful thing to say but in Romans chapter 16 verse number four we touched on this last week when we considered helpers in Christ he says this in verse number four who talking about Aquila and Priscilla who have for my life laid down their own necks the idea of that was they were willing to be executed they're willing to be executed for the sake of the apostle Paul they put their life on the line for the sake of the Apostle Paul. What does he say next? Unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. And so he was thankful to his fellow believers, to those specifically, in this case, Aquila and Priscilla, who had, who had willingly risked their life for the sake of the Apostle Paul. Now, it goes without saying, if someone risks their life for us, that we ought to be thankful to them. But Paul expresses that in an open letter to that church. I want you to know, I'm thankful for these two individuals that have really just gone above and beyond, and they've really been a blessing to me, and they, they, they risked their life for me. I'm thankful for them. He acknowledged them publicly. He acknowledged uh, what they had done, and he also acknowledged the fact that he was developing thankfulness in all the churches of the Gentiles that all the churches are, are giving thanks back to these two, um, two individuals. And you know what that tells me? That Paul had probably gone along the way, and when he was preaching in one church, he says, boy, let me, let me illustrate this, this point by, by saying this. There's this, this couple back in Rome, Aquila and Priscilla. They have really been a blessing to me. And I just want to thank God in your presence for these two believers. They've just ministered together as a husband and wife, and they've ministered in such a wonderful way. They're helpers to me in Christ, and they've really just been a, just a huge blessing to me, and developing thankfulness in other people towards one another. In fact, in Romans chapter number 16, in this chapter, 
Paul mentions not just Aquila and, Priscilla, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, he mentions 29 specific individuals, most of them saluting them or giving greetings to them, but all in the spirit of thanksgiving. Hey, these people have been a blessing. Salute them. Let them know I'm saying hi. Let them know that I appreciate them. Uh, I'm just sending my greetings to them. Over and over, he was not only thankful to God, I thank my God for you all, but he was specific in giving that thanks. This is also seen very readily in the book of Philippians, Philippians 1 and verse number 3. Philippians 1 and verse number 3, I thank my God. There it is again, upon every remembrance of you. Here's the pattern. I thank God for you. I thank God for you. I'm going to use this opportunity to express my thanks to you in this prayer. Always in every prayer of mine, for you. Always making requests with joy for your fellowship. That word fellowship is the idea of partnership. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. What's the first day? Well, Acts 16, when he came into uh, Philippi and began preaching the gospel down by the riverside and got thrown into prison, uh, uh, saw an earthquake as they sang and gave thanks to God at midnight. And the, uh, the Philippian jailer comes to the Lord and his household comes to the Lord and they get baptized and what an amazing thing it was and they, they go on their way after they confirmed the, the, uh, confirmed the believers and the church began to be established and it was functioning so much so that later, uh, later on uh, he was able to come back there and write to them and, and so on. He says, from the first day till now, from the first day I stepped into town till now, you partnered with me in the gospel. You've been there with me. You've been engaged with me. It wasn't just something you received and said, thank you very much. You got engaged. You were, you were right along there working with me in the gospel for your fellowship in the gospel from this day until now. And then he says, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. His gratitude was just abounding to them. He doesn't even get to the end of the, the book where um, before he once again mentions his, his thankfulness to them. Chapter 4 and verse number 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I was there in town, when I departed from Macedonia, as I was about to leave, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, the next city over, Ye sent once and again unto my necessity. What's he saying? You know what? I am thankful that as I was on my gospel journey, you didn't just spiritually partner with me in getting engaged in the gospel and telling others about it and letting the gospel, uh, your gospel testimony reverberate out, but you even got involved in your giving to me. And he specifically thanks the church there for their giving uh, to him uh, as he went over to Thessalonica. So Paul is expressing thanks to to God, and he's expressing thanks to man. We could do so much more. We could go through all those different references and, and pull out the different ways that he thanked individuals throughout, on, throughout the, uh, the writing of the, uh, of the scriptures, but I think you get the idea. He thanked God, and he thanked fellow man, and that's what our, our, our spirit ought to be. I thank God, and friends, I, I, we got to get this. Godward gratitude will result in manward gratitude. Godward gratitude will result in manward gratitude. Why are we living in an unthankful society? Because they are not thankful to God. And so why should you and I lead the way? Because we love God and we're grateful to him for his wonderful mercies. If God did not do one more thing for you but save you from hellfire, 
and forgive you of all of your sins, we should go on for all of eternity rejoicing in his goodness. Right? And so Godward gratitude will result in manward gratitude. May we lead the way for that. And I want you to just consider this as a, as a matter of applying this and taking an action step. Paul was specific in his thanks. Aquila and Priscilla, thank you for laying down your life. Church of Philippi, thank you for sending and partnering with me, not just spiritually in the gospel, but financially in the gospel. Thank you, and thank you for that. He was specific. What can you be specific for? I am thankful for you because. I am thankful to God because. In fact, in your, your, uh, your worship guide this morning, the very first thing I asked you is, what are you thankful to God for? What are five things that you can write down? I'm thankful to God for this specific. Thank you, Lord. For what? For what? Don't you think that our Heavenly Father would love to hear from his people today that are gathered here? I am thankful for this, right? I'm thankful that I can call you Abba Father. I'm thankful I can come to you as my daddy. I'm thankful that even though I might not have a dad in the world, I can come to you as my father. I revel in that. And so, what are you thankful for? What can you write down today? And I, I really would love for us to do this as a matter of invitation in a moment. Uh, what is it? What are five things you can say, I am thankful for, and specifically write it down. I am thankful to God for this. I'm thankful to this person for this. What are those things? And I'd also challenge you in this way. Who is it today that you can give specific thanks to? Who can you go to the next step? You're not just thanking God for them, but you go to the next step and say, hey, I want you to know thank you for... Thank you for, and you might send them a text, thank you for doing this. Well, that's their job. Thank them anyway. Uh, thank you for serving lunch. Well, this afternoon we're going to eat a delicious meal. Thank you. Someone, someone created that. Someone put it together. Thank you. Someone put up the tables. Thank you. So, you know what I'm saying? Just every, everywhere we can. Hey, the guys are wa watching the place and keeping things nice and secure and so forth. And thank you. Thank you for opening up the door. Thank you for handing me the bullet. Thank you everywhere. What is it that we can give thanks to? Is it your, your parents that you need to call or, or give, a, uh, give a text to? Is it a handwritten note that you need to write out? Well, I just don't do handwritten notes. There's still something really powerful. I was at a, a volunteer, uh, uh, volunteer appreciation uh, dinner or luncheon for the city of Kettering. And uh, so it's all the, it's, it's not just police departments, all the, the volunteers across the city. By the way, Kettering, you might find this interesting, has one of the premier in the country, one of the premier volunteer programs. It's one of the largest, longest running premier, uh, and it's, it's looked at as an example. So it's very interesting. So uh, it, it, they just got a new director and uh, they put on their first one since COVID and it, it was downsized a little bit and they're hoping to, you know, to expand it out. But one of the things I thought was interesting from the last times, the new director took time to put a, you know, those brightly colored, uh, like snack bags, paper, paper sacks, a brown paper sack, but you know, yellow, blue, they had these at the middle of the table. It's very brightly colored. And there was a, it was nicely done. It was all hand done. So there's a lot of can doing. And, uh, and inside there was a little, a uh, little gift, but inside there was a note and I guess this probably got me the most. Inside there was a note, and the note was completely handwritten, or uh, it, it was, 
I, I really think it looked very hand done. And it caused me to look over to one of the guys that works at the fire department who's uh, head with uh, human resources. And it caused me, is this, is this, are these all, are these all handwritten? Now, I love graphics. I love designing graphics. I love, uh, you know, sh sh sharp graphics and so forth. But you know what? Something pauses me in that moment, like thinking, I'm looking around and seeing all these different people and saying, someone took some time. Someone took some time. I don't think we're ever going to lose that. You know, a text says something, but not as much as a handwritten, handwritten note. And uh, that's something the Lord challenges me with uh, many times, and I need, it, I need to grow in, and I think we can all grow in, just being willing to stop and take and write down my gratitude towards somebody else. Who needs that today from you? A specific, a specific thanks. So Paul was thankful to God, and he was thankful to man. And he did it specifically, both to God and to man. But one of the things that I want to end on, and really, I, I think, probably challenges me the most about the life of the Apostle Paul. Turn over to Acts chapter number 27. Acts 27. And I want you to notice this. You know, hot water uh, reveals the inner content of a tea bag. Um, Brother Jeff, you like tea. They could really fool you. They could put like, you know, strawberry tea. They could put, they could put licorice inside of that. And boy, I mean, you, you wouldn't know it until you poured the hot water on it, perhaps. Maybe the smell. But the hot water reveals, reveals what's inside the tea bag. And so don't difficult times reveal what's inside of us and inside of our heart. And so probably the litmus test of Paul's gratitude is how was Paul in the midst of difficult times? We know he talked about these difficult times. I mean, he was, he was beaten, he was thrown in prison, he was shipwrecked, he was stoned. He said, the more I love, the less I be loved. So Paul went through a lot, a lot of difficult times. So knowing that about the Apostle Paul, how, how can I really tell, hey, Paul was a, a thankful individual. I want us to just consider this as a last thought about Paul. We could go on a, a, a very long time studying his life. But I want you to notice that, that Paul's life was openly uh, demonstrating thankfulness even in difficult times. And I bring us to Acts chapter number 27 where we see him on the Mediterranean Sea after 14 days on a ship with 276 people being tossed in the dark. And you know what the, you know what the name of the storm was? Does anyone remember what the name of the storm was? Just the name sounds awful. Eurachlodon. Like it was an awful, awful storm. And so he's at the end of 14 days. They have not eaten. I'm not hungry. If I eat it, I'll toss it up. They're not on a, a cruise ship. It is likely something that looked very much like this. Long, wooden vessel, weighed many, many tons. And uh, it was, it was ore-driven. So it was likely a vessel that looked like this. It was just being tossed back and forth for 14 days. It is dark. It was an awful, awful situation. And do you remember what happened before, before they went and sailed from Malta? Do you remember what happened? Do you remember what Paul said? 
hey, don't go. Don't go. What did, what did, the, uh, what did the people say? Huh, you a sailor now? Like, why are you telling Why should we listen to you? It's like, don't go. There's great herd ahead. They should have listened. So Paul goes on knowing full well things aren't going to go well. We're pressing the limits against the season, and there's, got, there's likely going to be a storm. We're going to get caught, and it's going to be a bad situation, all right? So don't go, but they go anyway. And, you know, when you think about it, they kind of deserved the, the fallout of that situation because they didn't listen to some sound advice, some wise, sage advice saying, hey, we're coming up on a season that's not really good, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna regret this decision. And so they go, and at the end of the 14 days, they're, they're tossed, worst roller coaster ride you can imagine. I mean, this was a nor'eastern storm. Nor'easterns pack quite a punch, don't they? And uh, this one did. You're rocking on. I can, I can right now hear my pastor preaching through the book of Acts and, and coming to this passage and just with the most ominous tone, you're rocking on. You know? It was a horrible, horrible storm. And uh, they're at the end of the 14 days, and I want you to notice verse number thir- 33. And while the day was coming on, so sun's rising, Paul besought them all to take meat saying, now remember, he's a prisoner. Where's he going? He's going to Rome because he appealed to Caesar and he's going to likely die there. But he's going to Rome. He finally gets his wish. He's going to Rome. All expenses paid on a prisoner ship. He's going to Rome. And yet he is standing up and saying, hey, I encourage you all to take meat. And he goes on, this is the 14th day you have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Uh, would you be pretty weak after 14 days? Yeah? Verse number 34, wouldn't be here. Wherefore I pray you, take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. Oh, come on, Paul. I mean, this is kind of crazy talk. And he's a prisoner. Remember, his credibility is, is kind of, he's a prisoner. That's where it is. But he seems to have some, some weight, or at least people would give ear to him at this moment. Verse number 35, and when he had thus spoken, he took bread, and I want you to notice the next several words, and gave thanks to God. Let's say that together. And gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. Let that sink in. Hold up. We're on a country that's fastly running away from God. And there's been a whole lot of people that said, hey, don't go there, don't go there. If you make that decision, if you follow after those leaders, you're going to be in a world of hurt. Don't go there. And we see the play out of that. What did Paul do? I told you so. You're paying that at the gas pump? I told you so. You're paying 27 pounds for a turkey, uh, $27 per pound for a turkey? I told you so. No, no. God has provided this, and he thanked God in the presence of them all. I cannot think of a more appropriate and needful time for God's people to rise up in the presence of those who are against us and give thanks to God. Now, I, have, I want to go a little bit further. Look at verse number 43. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, 
kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. So they've wrecked. And the, um, the, the, the rulers, the centurions, the, the Roman soldiers, are ready to kill all the soldiers. Why? Because if one escapes, what happens to them? They die. They lose their life. So with all this word, Paul says, don't do this. No one's going to be lost. It's going to end well, but don't do this. And the centurion was so moved by the spirit, the graciousness of the apostle Paul, that in that moment, he listened to his prisoner who more than likely, they all knew it wasn't going to end well for him up in Rome. He listened to him and gave way to his advice in this moment. Now, I'm telling you, friends, you cannot divorce that, the spirit of the centurion, you cannot divorce that from the spirit that Paul exhibited on that ship. And Paul had been grumbling, I told you so, I can guarantee you they all would have lost their lives. Friends, right now is not a time to be standing up and grumbling and complaining about where we are in America. I don't like paying the gas prices any more than you do. I do not like paying $70 to fill up a vehicle. That is not fun. I don't like to see skyrocketing prices. But you know, if the world only hears us grumbling and complaining and and going on about all the things I told you so about, we're going to lose our testimony. We're going to lose our influence. And I know that hits right at home, right? Are you with me? How many of that hits a toe? Hits mine. Yeah. Paul is a great example of a man who, in the midst of his old times, did not say, I told you so. He said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you imagine what the prisoners must have been doing. What is this guy? I've never seen any prisoner like him. I've never been bunked with a guy like, like this guy. I mean, this, this, is, this is pretty crazy. Year 1620. The pilgrims, you heard the story there, and I, I love for us just to be reminded of the history. But you heard the story of the pilgrims coming here. They were pilgrims by design. They called themselves that because they realized they were strangers and pilgrims in this earth. This world was not their home. They were just passing through, and they were fleeing religious persecution in England. They had stopped at Holland. They did not find it there. They continue on. And throughout their flight, they kept a thankful attitude. And Thanksgiving didn't just happen once they got to the, to the, uh, to the land of America. They, they had a thankful spirit. Why? Because... Nothing, as one man said, nothing happened to them, they believed this, that nothing happened to them, that God did not allow even the tragedies, losing people on the, on the ship ride over. They had an attitude of gratitude that, that kept them faithful to God. They were thankful to him, first of all, for who he was, not just for the blessings they could see and feel and touch. They knew they deserved nothing, so their only response was, thank you. Thank you for anything that we have. Through the many trials, whether it was through the, the agreement that they, they were working towards in the new world, the loss of the speedwell, the difficult voyage, the first winter where they last, uh, lost over half of their, their group, the pilgrims kept their biblical view of giving thanks. Giving thanks. In fact, they studied it from the word. 
The pilgrims gave thanks to God because he was good, not because everything that happened to them was good, but because he was good. Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And so in 1621, after they came through a very harsh winter, we heard the story. The pilgrims had a day of thanksgiving, whether it was that moment or subsequent ones that we pattern ours after, uh, it really does not matter other than the fact they set aside a time to give thanks. I want you to think about that first Thanksgiving day here on, these, on this land. The pilgrims called a day of Thanksgiving. It was pat- patterned after the Feast of Tabernacles. They had studied the Word. They had studied the Old Testament. They realized the Feast of Tabernacles went on uh, three days, and so they had patterned it after that, mixing the joy of God's provision with the sorrow of their hardships. They mixed those two together, and they, they gave thanks. And it was unique that they did this in harmony with the 90 native people from the, the tribe that they had met there when they, they landed at, at, at Plymouth. The, uh, the Indians there gave thanks as well to their creator long before the, the pilgrims had arrived. But you know, on that day, two cultures blended in unified thanksgiving to God, the creator. That's pretty amazing. There's a lot that is taken out of history today that you need to be mindful of. The reason I showed this again today is so that we remember how Thanksgiving started. And so they came not with a heart to destroy all the inhabitants of the land, with a heart to be united. And even on the first Thanksgiving, they enjoyed that together. It was a very difficult winter, but uh, they came through by God's grace. And they, they started this original Thanksgiving probably in late October. But it was a, a time set aside, three days set aside, in the spirit of the Feast of on Tabernacles, to give thanks to God and join it with the native people. Uh, they had competitive games long before they ever would realize that Thanksgiving and football would somehow you know, run together. Uh, they, they, they did competitive games on that day. Uh, all the dishes were wooden. The children served the adults. And all the adults said, all right, and, you, and then the moms say, can you imagine what the kitchen would look like, okay? Um, but that, that's how it did, uh, did then. There were only four adult pilgrim women alive at that point, cooking for 140 guests. Wow. They ate cod, they ate sea bass, they ate fowl, ducks, geese, swan. Anyone like geese for eating? I know you don't like them in the parking lot. <laughs> uh, wild turkeys were consumed. I don't know where this totally came from, but wild turkey w- were consumed, but um, they could run like 25 mile an hour, and so they were, they were hard to, to track down and, and so on, so uh, that wasn't as popular at that point. Um, there was an unproven legend that popcorn was introduced by the Indians to the pilgrims at this point. But recreation, including bow and arrow contests, military drills, foot racing, uh, wrestling, all were a part of these three days of festivities and coming together in thankfulness to God. And uh, there was a poem that was written in reflecting on that first Thanksgiving. My understanding, it was written in reflection um, by one of the pilgrims. It was a song of the pilgrims. In fact, it's taken from um, the, the book or the booklet, Songs of the Pilgrims, 
1887. And it says this, We had gathered in our harvest and stored the yellow grain, for God had sent the sunshine and sent the plenteous rain. Our barley land and corn land had yielded up their store, and the fear and dread of famine oppressed our homes no more. As the chosen tribe of Israel in the far years of old, when the summer fruits were garnered and before the winter's cold, kept their festal weeks with gladness, with song and choral lays, so we kept our first Thanksgiving in the hazy autumn days. And they did. They did. You know that our country was founded on Thanksgiving. Even in the midst of the Civil War, when our country was torn apart so viciously by the, the factions in our country, Abraham Lincoln uh, made another uh, uh, pronouncement, Thanksgiving Day pronouncement, and officially set it in that we would have a day of Thanksgiving as, as a people where we would turn thanks to Almighty God. We have biblical history that's full of thanks. Paul is a man overflowing with thanksgiving. It should motivate us. But friends, we live in a country that was founded on thanksgiving, that even the early founding fathers referred back to the pilgrims as their founding fathers. Those were the ones they regarded as the founding fathers. They were full of thanks in the midst of difficult times, and so shouldn't we. Yeah, we're not in the brightest days of our country right now. There's problems but God has not changed. He is still who he is, and we owe him every bit of our thanksgiving. This afternoon, we owe him our thanksgiving. And maybe that'll be a, a decisional step for you. You know what? I'm gonna give a testimony to God. Maybe it'll even require you to say, God, I'm sorry for not having a grateful heart to you. Please forgive me. Help me to give you thanks and praise you and bless your holy name with all that's in me. But whatever it takes for you to get to that point, I'd encourage you, God deserves the praise and the thanksgiving of his people. And would you bow with me in prayer and let's take time in an active invitation here this morning. Right there, you might not even put away your notes. Right there with your heads bowed, what are those five things that you need to thank God for or thank someone else for? What are those five things? Now, I'm going to invite you to do this. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm going to invite you to find a place to kneel there at your seat. And I want you, if you're physically able to, I want you to kneel and just give thanks back to God. Don't ask him for anything. Don't ask him for anything. Give thanks back to God. Give thanks back to God. And so I invite you to do that right now in this auditorium. Would you find your knees if you're physically able to and give thanks back to God? Maybe you pray as a, as a family. That would be awesome. Give thanks back to God. Right now, don't ask him for anything. Give thanks to him. Give thanks to him. Give thanks to him. Thanks for joining us for this episode and please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for checking out this episode. I look forward to having you join us again right here on the Grace Baptist Church podcast.